generally the cruising is like 83. The the mighty ginger is probably at 95, but he's got a car for that. My and favorite car feature that I Mustang. the car feature I want that I don't have is that the, I can the, I can pour myself into the car and it just takes me where I need to go. You know, without having to be conscious at all. But I think that's actually called some kind of bonded rideshare. <laughs> I don't know what that is because I wouldn't trust bondage rideshare. <laughs> Not bondage, bonded. No, no, been... I am totally with the bondage rideshare now. <laughs> I need. I think we need to go ahead and start detailing what exactly that entails. <laughs> Story idea. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give up. Uber, now. what? I'm just going to give up. I'm just, yeah, Uber, Uber, who? Get pulled over for speeding. Can you step out of the car? No, officer, I can't. I'm all tied up. Oh. <laughs> no, officer, I need to ask permission. 101 KOL. Only if Mistress V says I can. 101 KLOL here at the traffic With traffic and bondage, they always made these whip sounds whenever you're supposed to treat something as a four-way stop. It was hilarious. It was bad. Anyway, yeah. That was the 80s. That was my childhood. You gotta love it. Uh, okay, I guess we should go ahead and say howdy, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Dead Robot Society. I'm Paul E. Cooley. Joining me today, as always, Veronica Jaguar and Tara Remixon. Hello. How are you two? Good. Far, far, far behind of where I should be writing, but I'm still good. Uh Uh-oh. Everything's fine. There's flames falling down. This is fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) Nothing to see here. Move along. (laughs) We're fine. We're fine. Fine. How are you? It's okay, Terry. I'm sure the holidays coming up will give you plenty of spare time. Well, the deadline is the 23rd, so I feel confident that the editor's not actually going to lay eyes on it for a couple of days after that anyway. (laughs) Because, yeah, Christmas Eve, Eve, Christmas, ah, all of those little holiday things, that's probably going to be disruptive. it's probably not going to get started like January 3rd. Well, that would be rough because I, I don't know precisely when the release date is, but it's probably within two weeks of when I turn it over. So they can't delay that long. And you have to think, is this is the person that you're turning it over to, do they really want to spend time with the family or will they need an excuse? Will, you know, your manuscript be the excuse they need to hold yeah, up how much? Go, oh, no, no, I got to work. Really? How much do they loathe their family at this point? And that's a really good question. I, I know the editor a little bit. And I, while I don't know what her relationship with her family is, she strikes me as the kind of person that would probably be very into Christmas and family. So I'm not thinking she's going to avoid family. For editing. You better hope Fair not. Enough. Buttercup. In, it, in any case, I still am on, on course to go ahead and make up the ground I have lost and be ready to turn it in on time. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Excellent. On the other hand, uh, Nefertiti and, and as has run into trouble here in the house and her acclimatization. She is now fully loose, but Sassy is not taking well to her. Sassy oh no, is you're, jealous. Oh no, your your little fluffy alpha female has like no. There's too much charisma with this new cat. We must fight. I have a nemesis. Sassy is now restricted to upstairs because she has furballed Nefertiti three times in the last two days. Chase, you know the whole brow cat's doing all this oh, fighting. Oh, she has chased I, her and outright attacked her three times. Oh. 
mostly upstairs. Nefertiti still wants to come up here, but Sassy says, no, this is Daddy's place, and you can't have it. He's mine. What other kind of chat is it, Brett? <laughs> All right. You know, if you'd have been a little earlier before the show, you could have been to Car Chat, which is like the show. Car Talk? We had, car we, Talk. We That's it, Car Talk. Car Talk, talk. I was yeah, going to say, exactly. we, had, we, we said all this shit in the pre-show, but we didn't actually talk about anything in the pre-show that related to us personally. It was all just garbage that was going on. That's not true. Well, I talked about how I need to buy a car in the next three or four years. It personal, because mm-hmm. it led into this whole bullshit of this, that, and the other, and yada, yada, My yada. current vehicle, let me, let me go ahead and put this out there. My current vehicle is a 1999 Ford Ranger pickup truck with a standard transmission and absolutely nothing electronic. It is all your basement, your bottom basement stuff. Roll down the windows manually. The There's no electronic anything. She so, ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. Ain't what she used to be. It needs a bullet in the head, dude. <laughs> well, ironically, I've driven a standard almost my entire life. I did not yeah. go looking for this particular truck. We, my wife bought it off of our niece when she was going overseas because the niece wasn't going to be able to maintain payments on it and be out of the country. And so... I had a couple of years where I had a car that did not have a standard, and then back into a standard I went. So I will absolutely be thrilled when I can go ahead and trade up to something a little bit more modern. <laughs> something made this. I want something that goes bling, bling, bling. Grandpa, turn off the blinker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been meaning to talk to you about that. <laughs> Somehow. <laughs> Oh, my God. Wow. Well, V, do you have anything that's not involving cars? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, I have, let's see, I am going to finish up my week's pages. Uh-oh. Page and a half. I got a page and a half of writing to do before this evening. So I'll still hit my uh, my weekly quota of 10 handwritten pages. Yay! Yay! And uh, I delivered another book, another audiobook Thursday. Yeah, oh, cool. delivered a lot of book Thursday. Um, did pickups on Friday and nearly lost my mind because. Um, so I had a I had a project, and I'm generally pretty good about pickups and corrections. But for some reason, um, I got a list of the corrections that I think were included on the um, engineer's sides. There were like pops and noises that I'm looking at going, I think I can fil- they can be filtered out. But I was told, no, they can't be filtered out. And rather than push back, I'm like, okay, this is how you want to play. I will record all of these things. Just, I'm that person. I figured, okay, you want all 178? Sure. Sure. All 178 pickups. Oh, my God. Um, I, a good, probably a third of the ones were because a character's name got mispronounced. Because mm, okay. I, I didn't get the name pronunciation. So that was fun. Um, I get lesson learned. And the... Um, so I record into Adobe Audition... For those who don't use Audition, it's a non-destructive digital audio workstation, which means that 
the way I explained it, you get a session file. And the session file is kind of like a table of contents. And every piece you record from hitting record and stop is a little wave file. And then your, your session file, your table of contents, goes and organizes everything in order. When you do pickups, you're literally just going through reading a line, putting in a marker, pausing, reading another line. So I'm doing this, but keep in mind, I've got 178 of these. That means at the, this session file winds up having over 210 individual wave clips that have to be mixed down and sequenced together. And it's Adobe, which is a memory hog. So I Adobe they piece just, of shit, but you know, that's just me. <laughs> so Adobe goes and uh, freezes up on me. And I'm like, oh crap. But I don't panic because I've got autosave and I'm generally saving through. My eggs might come back and I open up the file. All of the individual wave files are there, but I only have the first five with the markers sitting there. The first five out of the 172 I had recorded up to that point. Is there a better program to use than Adobe Audition? Oh, there are many. There, there, there are many. It's just, you know how you, you learn how to use a program and it's just, it's what you know how to use and all your presets are there. That, it that's might the be thing. time to bite It the might bullet. be time to bite the <laughs> it bullet might be time. and upgrade. But I mean, <laughs> so I, of course, this help you walk now, out of but... the booth, scream, um, curse pretty much out, curse everyone involved with the project, except for the author, because I love the book. And thought, you know what? I'm going to go get lunch. So I make myself a sandwich. And then I steal myself to have to go and piece the whole thing together by hand. And so I go and reboot the computer, open everything back up. And lo and behold, it is all actually sitting there in order. Mm -hmm. So Quick, save everything! Save everything! So I pretty much went, oh, compile. Give me the whole wave file now before anything else happens. And I send it off. <laughs> and my oh, wait, what about the what about the that. what about the few at the end that you hadn't gotten to yet? I wound up uh, so I wound up opening a second session file, recording those four, mixing those down, then just like copy pasting them okay. into the last thing. So at the end of it, I had everything, but I pretty much the the mental energy. You know, when you have something really bad go wrong in like the early middle of your day, and it's just like. I cannot function anymore. That's it. I'm done. And I um, pretty much shut down everything in my office, grabbed my notebook, um, and took myself to the park to walk and play Pokemon Go. <laughs> That's how I operate. What does a handwritten page translate to when typed? Uh, that's a good question. Um between 150 and 200 words, I think. I write really small. So. Okay. I'll check. I'll, I'm trying not to type everything in because I will get stuck. In a, I've learned that anything I can do to low, lower the barrier to getting stuff done is the, the best thing for me. So I'm trying not to type stuff up. Maybe when I get to 50 pages, I'll try to key it up but i'm it's usually about 150 200 words so those 10 pages i'm anywhere from 1500 to 2000 words per week which given everything else i'm doing is 
just fine. So that was my drama. <sighs> you have all sorts of drama. Uh, duh. Well, I am finally, I think I've finally won the Great Food War of 2023. So I think Shadow and I have come to an understanding that he will either eat or starve to death. I think that's where we've gotten to. I think it's a, it's a fair understanding. We've chosen our sides. My side is I've given you all sorts of different foods. You eat all of them, but you eat refuse or to die. eat all of them. Eat or die. <laughs> Don't care anymore. Fuck off. Anyway, so I think I've grown, I've won the great food war by by exhausting all other options other than just you know taking him to the vet and say fix this. Uh, in which case, they'll just hand it back and say, "What do you want? It's a cat." Anyway, so uh, the great food war. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to claim victory and, and retreat slowly away from it. But I did get the end of extinction written. Woo-hoo. Now, I will put the end in very big air quotes. I figured out that until I go back and flesh out a couple of things, I can't figure out how to make it write the coda. So we're not at the coda point yet, or as you might want to call it, the epilogue. But I think I want it to be more of a coda than an epilogue. I want it to kind of smooth down a little bit. So now I started going back through it. I've, I've edited and rewritten, I guess, 23K so far. Um, then we'll get back on that tonight. But I went back into my track nine file for from Plotter and started making some notes there as I promised I would get back to that book. So I've been working on that as well. And <laughs> other than that, I guess not too, too much is going on. But, you know, writing the end of something was was that wasn't really the end. Even that was cathartic. I have to steal myself for the actual end where I have to say, oh, here are the ramifications of everything that just went, that just happened. Because think about that. The consequences of your actions. Here are the consequences of, you know, do we really, do we really gain anything by doing the things that we did the way we did them? Was there another way to do them? Does it matter? Who's going to jail? Who's going to get shot? And what country is going to crumble? That's basically what it comes down to. So uh, I have to figure all that out. And that will kind of lead into some other questions people have about the Derelict Saga. That's all I'm going to say right there. Anyway, we're not here to talk about that, though. We're not? What are we here to talk about? We are here to talk about Die Hard. Die Hard? Die Hard. This was a Festivus show. No, this was not the Festivus show. You can't air your grievances yet. Damn it. That's next week's show where you air your grievances. Is it? I'm pretty sure that I heard that grievances are going to be aired today. I heard it. It's right there in the (laughs) title. Holiday diatribe. Grievances will be had. But, I mean, oh, I'm looking okay. at this, and if, if, we're right. going by the, if, if we're going by the calendar when Festivus is, because um, it really is the day It's December the day 23rd. Before. Right. December 23rd is Festivus. So that Actually, would mean it's not the next show, but the show after that. Oh, right. The yeah, airing yeah. of Grievances. Yeah, which yeah. actually... Yeah. When, when there is a call for topics, yes, there should be an airing of Grievances. <laughs> All right, I wrote this as a holiday diatribe because the reason why I brought up Die Hard was so we could actually get into a conversation about this. Die Hard is not the entire episode. But you guys brought this up in in, in uh, the, the Evil Hosts channel, so I'm just going to say this. Is Die Hard a holiday movie? Is it a Hell yeah. Movie? Hell yeah. Why? 
course it is. Because I like it as an idea of a holiday movie. <laughs> What's, what is a holiday movie? It's one that gets you in the holiday spirit. What gets you more in the holiday spirit than seeing Hans Gruber fall off Nakatomi Tower? Welcome to the party, pal! <laughs> well, okay, so, but seriously, it, it's because the plot of the movie requires it, it, it requires the holiday. It would not work as well if, you know, in this the whole, whole, whole line. If, yeah, it well, even that, but the premise of the holiday party, the discomfort around the holidays with that relationship and all of the other expectations, it wouldn't work if it was just, you know, a, a Friday in September. Is a holiday movie one that just happens to fall on the date of a holiday, or is it one that encompasses the spirit of the holiday? It seems like that would be kind of important. I, I think the spirit in question at Die Hard is the, the triumph at the end. And they're basically See, bringing the family back together again, the whole nine yards. All of that is, is all that is all indicative of Christmas, of that spirit of everybody getting together the holidays mm-hmm. and going to grandma's house and all that horse shit. That's all, it's all part of that. That's that's what I think about it. And because it may it not fucking happy it ending. may not be your stereotypical holiday movie. No, it's not. It's it's you don't have, you know, um powerful strong women going back to hometowns and picking up guys that wear uh flannel, you know, instead of their their the hometown big town guys in suits. But you know, I, I, that's what I was thinking the entire time you're wearing flannel. I was going to say this. But in any case. <laughs> oh, I constantly I've, joke that my son is one flannel shirt away from a Hallmark movie since he works <laughs> at a Christmas tree lot right now. <laughs> you should make him wear flannel. No, but in any case. Oh, he um, has a few of them. But yeah. I, I think that while it's a stretch to go ahead and say Die Hard is a holiday movie. I think I think it, it technically falls within the spectrum of being a holiday movie. I think it's it and, and it's this not is a so... it's not a beautiful life or whatever the the show is. Wonderful life, a wonderful That's my life. Favorite, but it, it's it's still there. My in laws' favorite Christmas movie is Batter Santa. Bad Santa's not bad enough. It has to be the Batter Santa. Oh God, what is it? My wife just showed me this morning a show that that she had seen that I hadn't. That. Um, Apparently involves like a home alone scenario with Santa and a group of mercenaries. Oh, that movie. Is just, that Violent Night? Violent, yeah, Violent Night. Night. That's the one. She wants me to see that. And I want to see it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. So is Violent Night a holiday movie? Absolutely it is. Mm-hmm. And like, like it's uh, Die Hard. Yeah. Like, and we're, and what did she say? Uh, um, the Keanu Reeves uh, assassin. What is his what is his character's name? John Wick? John Wick. It's John Wick instead of Die Hard in the Santa movie. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, but there's... So, my favorite Christmas movie is The Muppet Christmas Carol because I am that person. But also because it is Michael Caine's finest performance ever because the the level of, of gravitas that he brings to speaking to Muppets so eloquently... My goodness, that's Fezziwig's rubber chicken factory. <laughs> Some, somebody had suggested on Facebook the other day that uh, they needed to go ahead and have another Muppet movie, maybe like the, the Christmas special, I think it was, they were talking about. But mm-hmm. instead of doing it the way they normally do it, go ahead and have live actors doing all the parts, 
but the voices are the Muppets. So you'd have like Jason Momoa being uh, Miss Piggy. And I would pay money to see this. Of course. I would pay serious money to see this. That sounds like so much brain oh, damage. Man. That would be awesome. Although, no, I <clears throat> I think... Oh, there's so much possibility. It was, it was a D&D movie. They, they wanted to have a D&D movie with live action actors, but the Muppets doing all the voices of the characters. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Brett, you're absolutely right, because... My, the Muppet Christmas Carol works because Michael Caine treats the Muppets as hardcore actors and the Muppets treat him like another Muppet. And never seen it. It was great. It's, it, it's, it. it's marvelous. Um, what else? I love Mighty Ginger's that... favorite Christmas movie is um, a Christmas story. Oh yeah. We have to, we have to watch that one on, you know, yeah. the, um, it used to be on TBS or whatever, 24 hours a day for, mm-hmm. We for days. Mm. Yeah. Brett brought up brought up a Black Christmas, which is a slasher film, <laughs> which is also a yeah. holiday movie. Christmas is extremely central to the plot. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to pull up one that's not Christmas but is still a holiday movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, anything Thanksgiving related. Mm-hmm. And Snuppy brought up, uh, "Don't let Disney destroy another piece of my childhood." <laughs> they certainly, ha- they certainly have destroyed a lot of live action stuff over the years, <laughs> and it may be a, it may be a bad thing to ask for another live action Disney movie. Some, but I'm sorry, Muppet Treasure Island. That that was granted. That was my um, high school breakup recovery movie because you can't be sad about somebody dumping you when you're watching Tim Curry just yar the entire way through. See you, Tim. Thanks for coming. Well, the reason (sighs) we brought this up, I guess, is it's not just for the diehard, not what, what makes this. Can you take one of your properties and make a holiday story for it? You mean like the Star Wars Christmas special? Hopefully nothing that's not a turd like that. (laughs) Whoa. So I'm thinking more specifically like Frost at Christmas. If you know the uh, excellent series, Inspector Frost, both uh, uh, BBC version and and the books. Um, But Frost at Christmas is essentially a book about a really dreary Christmas for a guy who's who's basically got it on his own and got no family and finds his way through the shit. What? My wife is busy watching. My wife just watched all of the issues that are currently out of The Boys and is now watching the spinoff series. So I'm thinking about The Boys Christmas Special. Oh, no. There is such a thing? There is not. But think about how awesome it might be. You could have Carl Urban being the guy that just cussing up everything as part of it. Have you, ever, have you seen Carl Urban in this show, The I've Boys? I have not. I have not seen it. I, I Remember, he has a mouth on him. Behind. He has Carl a Urban mouth is, on him. Carl Urban is amazing, and um, Bones was hot. Let's just... I'll play well, that he's out all that bearded was... and dark, and he's he's a vigilante that's on his way to becoming a villain in this show, it looks like, to me anyway. And he's a very dark character, and I could just imagine him in a Christmas special, and it would be awesome. A Punisher Christmas. <laughs> Considering what, the, like the first couple of episodes of The Boys, they had to figure out how they were going to kill 
a superhero that was invulnerable and it involved taking a bomb and shoving it up his butt and then setting it off? Let's just say there was a graphic death right there. <laughs> See, that's what I wanted to go for. Do you have Christmas with Empire of Bones and would, would it work? I'm not sure that it would work all that well. Maybe? Hmm. The, the challenge, well, I think the challenge is you'd have to have a precedent set for how holidays work. Like our, like conventional holidays as we see them here. You'd have to have set up how that works in that universe. Otherwise, it's like, wait, what do you mean this group celebrates this holiday? That doesn't make sense. But (laughs) (laughs) oh, my God, what happened to the elves? (laughs) It's like, why do these elves smell like bacon? (laughs) (laughs) That's not coal in that stocking. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, I wish I could write that. I really wish I could, <clears throat> but I can't. Um, Gosh, now I've got, now I'm thinking like the secondary the characters Island. roasting on an open fire. fire. <laughs> Just, you know, P- out in PNG, you the, how'd you like to spend Christmas on Christmas Island? And then you've got the boat just rocking out there and, you know. Little yacht, and then <laughs> that's what it would sound like. Just we were talking about getting holidays together with, with uh, derelicts, it would be Federation Day. I would imagine it would be the only holiday that they would really recognize as, as it would be the day Soul Fed came into existence. Although there might be a couple more that I could come up with, but since I haven't mentioned them. But it would be kind of fun to make a callback to that because if you have read the Derelict Saga, you'd realize how ironically it would be celebrated. I want to see the Christmas show from the Hunger Games universe. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. It could work. No, it could work. I'm just, it would be like, ooh, ooh. That would, hmm. Talk about the haves and have-nots. Yeah, that would be uncomfortable. Which is kind of the point. True. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, it came upon a midnight clear, totally new meaning. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. We're, we're not going to dinosaur porn with this, are we? Uh, no, it's major porn. It's a totally different vibe. <laughs> Chuck Tingle is going to be mad. Oh, God. No, Garaga would actually be a good one to write a Christmas story for. That would be hilarious, actually. Mm. That would be really, really ugly. Oh, it, oh, I'm having terrible ideas that are almost sacrilegious. This is. Oh, no. All the ideas I have are, 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 are borderline or way over the line sacrilegious, so don't worry about it. I went there it first. Just, it just seems that there are a lot of properties that lend themselves to supporting a holiday-themed spinoff. Some of them just don't. Some of them, they don't really have the background of a holiday to support them. BSG would not have Celebrate Christmas because it's not in their their pantheon, literally. It's not in their pantheon. 
Well, even if it wasn't, they they could have a holiday movie of some kind. Sure. But it would be it would be a tough sell. It wouldn't it wouldn't make any sense. It really wouldn't make any sense. Unless it was like a Boxing Day kind of thing. Well, I'm I'm not even talking about we could say generic holiday X. Yeah. But it doesn't matter what the holiday is. It would be a tough sell because for Battlestar Galactica to bring it into a holiday movie, you'd have to involve the Cylons in some way. And that's a tough sell. Oh, God, no. <laughs> that would be a problem. That would be a problem. The Mighty Ginger's Christmas Cookies. Why don't we have the Mighty Ginger's Christmas Cookies? To, to be fair, um, when... The Mighty Ginger and I were playing City of Heroes a lot more often. He actually, did, we did, he did create a um, a tank character that was the Ginger Bread, it was Ginger Breadman. And he had to, of course, and he had to play with me and my other writing group and all of us are role players and he is not so he just wound up creating this little like four foot nothing foul mouth thing that was making every horrible baking innuendo about bread and eclairs and you know frosting and icing and filling and i was just sitting there going oh my gosh you cannot play with my friends anymore this is terrible and they loved it i I have to i have to i have to ask because this has been coming up on Distractable, so it's in my head. Has he ever seen, or have you ever seen, the ginger dead man? No. Well, I haven't, but that's not surprising. He it's might have. About a gingerbread cookie that's possessed with the soul of Gary Busey. Yowza. And it 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 it, uh, it murders people. Anything possessed by the soul of Gary Busey is it's awesome. Extremely derisive and and uh, you know unpleasant to do. Does deal it with. have to be Gary Busey? I mean, couldn't it be somebody else? It's Gary Busey voicing it, voicing the Ginger Dead Man. Wow! I shit you not. This movie exists. See, 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 right wow. there. The Ginger Dead Man is a classic. And I think the second one is Saturday Night Cleaver, and then there's a the third one, and then there's a Ginger Dead Man versus e- Evil Bong. It's apparently a very popular series. I've never watched it myself. <laughs> I, 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 so, will, I will not look at Christmas cookies the same way again. Exactly. Let's go ahead and, and change the subject slightly and ask, how would your intellectual property be changed if Gary Busey possessed one of your characters? <laughs> <laughs> and who would it be? Oh, right. Passion of the Crust. <laughs> Ginger Dead Man 8, Passion of the Crust. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. No. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> so now you have something new to look forward to. No, I, I already found the ridiculousness in uh, Korean dramas and demons losing their tattoos and CEOs gaining the tattoos. And it's just ridiculous. If you ever... Huh? I've been watching Korean dramas as like a complete disconnect of what I'm writing, what I'm voicing. And I found one that was the it's a paranormal romance sort of thing but the um the scenery chewing 
was is just ridiculous and the pausing and looking longingly and you're like i get it i'm being like hit over the head with the message can we please move on but let's see if gary Busey possessed jared would he finally be the main character others have suggested you know having uh, gary Busey as possessing jared would be an experience and 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 JR would deserve whatever happened to him after that. Can we just say that all this really takes is, is in my humble estimation, a lot of LSD, some meth, and some ecstasy, and then basically you've got Gary Busey. You just mix it all together, add Jack Daniels and stir. Mm, yeah. Brett says, if you wrote a Christmas-centered story, would it sell well throughout the year? Mm-mm. It's weird. Like some people will buy, some people will put those on. Like they'll write them and put them on sale, so they'll be up like end of September, early October, because people want to like, oh, I want to have something to read. But some people like just having something cozy to read, no matter what. So. I would say cozy that, mysteries sell well. So there you are. I would say it, it really depends on how you market it. It also mm-hmm. depends: is the book really about Christmas, or is Christmas just the backdrop? You know, it, I, and that—that's two different things, two very different yes. things. Uh, regardless of how the story ends up, or whether it has a happy ending, or whatever bullshit it is, there's a big difference: is 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 it the setting, or is it part of the story, or is it, it part of a series? And if because the book is, I've got, bets are off. Because I've, hang on, let me check what is, it's over here on my bookshelf. Well, like I mentioned, Frost at Christmas. It's just another Frost book. It happens to take place during Christmas time. Um, and basically that author does it by seasons. So it made sense to do one at that particular time. But that's the other thing. Wouldn't the summer read well over all over the year sell well over the year a summer book a fall book a spring book a winter book yeah yeah one of these issues you may watch die hard in the summer would you watch muppet christmas carol in july Good yeah point. it's interesting that, that's yeah so the series that i was thinking of it's a contemporary romance and it it's very well done um it's trad pub the bromance book club which is it's just it's it's a good premise i've talked about it before but the fourth or fifth book in the series is a very merry bromance and it's it winds up hitting i think fourth or fifth in the series but it uses characters that have come up through the first and second and third books so if you're reading, if you're reading through, then you're going to read it anyway. Right. And, but it's clearly, I mean, there's a Christmas tree on the cover. It's clearly a Christmas book. Again, I think it just depends how you market it and where you're coming from. Not, not all. It just depends on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, yeah. there is no one size fits all answer. Brett says he's in the bromance book club. I believe it. I have no response to this. None whatsoever. What would you not make into a Christmas movie? What would you not try and shoehorn in? There's a lot of things I wouldn't try to shoehorn in. Give me the greatest example of a train wreck. That's not Star Wars? (laughs) 
I mean, could you have yeah. done that thing and not made not made it a, a joke? Which IP would it have been that I would say that? Let's see. BSG was Cylons, definitely. I don't know. I think BSG with, with uh, um, Colonials and Cylons having a, having having a Christmas day. I think that would just be no, 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 absolutely no. That would be a problem. I could think of one offbeat one that I, that would make a decent one. Uh, remember, uh, years and years ago, they used to have they they did a a movie with a, the character was a detective that was a monk that lived back in the Middle Ages. That uh, was played by um, oh god, what's his name? Mr. James Bond, but I've forgotten. Sean the Connery. Character. Sean Connery played the the leading role. Name of the Rose. That's the one. That could oh, have done a that could have done a Christmas theme very well. There's actually a series of books. Was it mm-hmm. Brother Cadfell or something? Brother like Cadfell. Yeah, there yeah. we go. That it does exactly that. I don't know if they has any Christmas stuff. I don't even know if that was a thing back then. But yeah, that that kind of thing could shoehorn in pretty well. But I'm I'm thinking, you know, I don't know that I could pick one off the top of my head that would be a poor fit, bad poor fit. A James Bond Christmas. It could be terrible, but the thing is, you're, it's still contemporary. So you've got, it, it's not out of, it's not like, you know, BSG where Christmas yeah, doesn't yeah. really have an analog. Whereas in your contemporary James Bond universe, yeah, you're going to have, you know, it, it, it's conceivable that, you know, others around Mr. Bond are having Christmas. He's not because he's James Bond and can't have time for it. But well, to be fair, they did a James Bond movie that was a spoof of being a James Bond movie. The original Casino Royale. The original Casino Royale. The Allen one. Yeah, that was bad. Oh my god, that was bad. Fucking dreadful. Ugh. Peter Sellers should be ashamed. Anyway, uh, I think he's dead now. He, he's a little bit beyond shame, me, my shaming him. He doesn't care about you or what you think. No, why would he? Why should he? Are you kidding? Really, though? David Nivens is James Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Whatever. So about this yeah. diatribe, what makes, what makes a bad holiday... Narrative. One that doesn't involve the themes of Christmas. If if you're looking at having a story that does not involve themes of coming back together and family and and all the things that make Christmas what Christmas is, but you still make a novel about it and call it a Christmas story, then it's a bad one. It's like having a romance without the happy ever after. <laughs> Man, you keep ruining my my want to to write romance. You just ruin it every time. Well, you know when you write the well, romance yeah, and you have the monster eat both of them, that is not exactly a happy ending. But they're together forever in small pieces and digestive pieces. <laughs> but they're together forever. It's like I mean, look, Little Shop of Horrors. That was sort of a romance. That is a romance. See, that is a romance. Just not and, with who you think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because somebody's camp freaked out. <laughs> but I think uh, there's so. Uh, I remember that, but the 
Oh, the so Christmas many. Commercial. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's actually Violent Night, isn't it? Pretty much. Hmm. Only without Lee Majors. Is Scrooge the one that had Ryan Reynolds in it? No, no. you're thinking of Scrooge is oh. Bill Murray. Yeah, Scrooge is Bill Way Murray. Way back in that eighties, I think. The one with Ryan Reynolds is surprisingly good. If you haven't seen it, you should because it was awesome. One thousand spirited. Spirited. It has musicals with Ryan Reynolds and and uh, the guy that played Elf singing along. Will Ferrell and dancing. Will Ferrell dancing and singing. That's two reasons for me to skip it. No, no, no. You should watch it because yeah, it is yeah. amazing. Scrooge is one of the all-time best Christmas movies, and it's so underrated. So underrated. I love that movie. Great I think, film. well, so Scrooge, that's just a take on a Christmas carol. <laughs> um, and then It's a Wonderful Life is not, it, it's sort of a take. It, it's the same bit of stopping and assessing your existence and what would have happened with or without people, with, with or without you in certain people's lives. Um, and then the effects of that. So that, I mean, that winds up being a really, really common theme because how many times do, d does the whole Christmas Carol thing get overdone done and redone and redone? And yet it sells constantly. Because it hits a theme that touches people. And that's how you sell stories, is you touch the people that want to consume it. And Paul, that's not that kind of touching, so get your mind out of the gutter. Or that kind of consumption. That too. Y'all are just replacing all these rules on my creativity. Replacing the rules or placing them? Placing. I don't so, enjoy it. So what? You're going to just have the black as the ghost of Christmas future and, <laughs> you know? No. Change no. your ways. No. I want to see the okay. Hogwarts Christmas special. Well, and that's the thing. People will claim that some of the Harry Potter movies are, um, are Christmas movies. They're always released they're, at the time. They're always released at the time, but there's always a... There's always a, a mid... A mid, well, the early ones, there's a mid school year celebration where there is some kind of Yule esque thing going on. Mm -hmm. It would really work well. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to create boundaries for me. No, they don't. <laughs> Apart from me, it's practicing demonic magics. Eh, people that believe that are just being a little too narrow minded. You're welcome to your own opinion about if, if, if Harry Potter is is selling the soul of the demons and the devil, uh, but uh, I don't think I'm going to fall in that particular category of thinking. I think if you're still watching this show, we've already passed on that particular demographic. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I doubt it somehow, some way. I don't know. That is a question, though. How far can you go before you end up crossing a ton of lines? And it doesn't matter what religion it is. How far or how close can you get crazy? How crazy can you get before you totally blur the lines and really piss some people off? So that would mean you're always going to piss people off. That would mean the Wicca Christmas is right out the door. <laughs> 
that's a Wiccan would not want to celebrate Christmas anyway. I know that's the kind of purpose I celebrate. I selected them for this Christmas role. <laughs> it would offend just about everybody involved, some way or another. <laughs> it's when the witches give give presents to the witch hunters. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> We could dress the Dementors in a little Christmas Santa uniform. Oh, you know, yeah. Hats That'd and be stuff. badass with little Santa hats running around. Little oh, you'd hear them coming because they'd be jingling? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that'd be even creepier, though, if you heard a whole bunch <laughs> of them. Wouldn't it, though? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, they said they traveled in numbers. <laughs> oh, shit. You know, and, and and since the bad guy doesn't have a nose, you can go ahead and have the red, Ru- the red uh, Rudolph yeah, nose go. on him. No, nope. I'm gonna be. I, I would nightmares. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, granted, there, or you could like capitalize on like lesser. I want to say lesser known, um, Yuletide things. So, like, we know there there's a there's a good number of of Krampus themed movies, yes. right? Yes. Okay. So, Terry, why don't you have a Yule cat? Ooh. Well, you know, the cats could certainly destroy every Christmas tree in sight if the if the thing came along. I'm just saying that what the 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 Yule cat's supposed to like go around and you know eat the people that don't wear the clothes they got for Christmas. <sighs> yeah, Krampus. Just, you know, Krampus has been made into some severe horror movies the last couple of years. I think there's one that's like an eldritch, make, turns it into like an eldritch horror demon kind of thing. I'm, so, I'm, I'm going to yeah. wait for the, the, the Krampus paranormal romance. Wow. Like, no, like the monster under the bed sort of thing where oh, he's really, really grumpy. But okay, that's down there's a the monster gold. in the bed, I guess. Uh, I uh, guess that's not paranormal romance. That's something else entirely. That's Bigfoot. <laughs> That's a whole other genre. <laughs> I just say that. Now I'm wondering. Rather unfortunate name. We'll just go with that. Uh huh. What else? Have we plumbed the depths of this particular annoying topic? God damn it. <laughs> Still getting used to this mic, pardon me. Clearly. <sighs> Kissed by Krampus, V. Kissed by Krampus. There you go. That's the book you need to write. Mm. I think I will pass on that one. Isn't he like a nasty, wrinkled up, shriveled up, horrible looking thing? You know, you. Literary license. You could come up with it however you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, oh, it's already written. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Rule 34. uh, Yeah, Rule 34. That was a pretty shallow pull to start with. You are correct there. I wonder if there's an audiobook for it. Uh, That would be pretty damn funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, holy night in derelict land. That is really scary. It is. It is. And uh, on um, 
the various channels inside the Discord. In the general channel, I posted a... Um, what, what was it to it? Uh, the song... I've forgotten what song I posted, but it War was... War Pigs. It was to War Pigs, the music, but it was... I forget what song it was. Now I have to look, because I've forgotten. La, la, la. It was... Come on, where are you going? Stop rolling! Come back! Oh, uh... Deck the Halls. Deck the Halls, but with the music from War Pigs. Because it fits. That's Believe funny. it or not, it actually fits. Now I have to go listen to War Pigs. That'll, okay. That will happen. They have three cats. I mean... I still can't believe after all these books that Terry does not have a cat in his books. The next series will he does have, a, have cat. a cat. Yeah, and there there's at least one there there's a cat in Humanity Unlimited. There is. And it's I never a got a chance one. I never right. got a chance to utilize it to the extent that I wanted okay, to because you have never utilized a cat as a plot device though, have you? I intended to use a cat as a plot device in Humanity Unlimited, but didn't get a chance to. But in the next series that I'm going to write, I will be utilizing a cat as a plot device and as a point-of-view character. I can't wait to, to read this. I really can't. Now I have to read this book. I, just, I personally am wondering how many books I can keep it going without the other characters realizing mm -hmm. that the cat is smart. Mm-hmm. Cats figure heavily in Gears Inferno. Yes, they do. So do dogs. That's a hint for other books that are coming. Hmm. I don't know. The series that I'm narrating right now, I, there, I, there's only one point of view because it's first person. But the talking cat is pivotal to the plot. Um, and my vocal direction says he sounds like a Benedict Cumberbatch, just without the British accent. <laughs> How do you have a Benedict Cumberbatch without the accent? The I same, can't even. Uh, I can't even imagine it. The same. Essentially, tone. you just sound extremely bored yeah, and extremely incredibly bored. put off, and you imagine yourself just lying somewhere on a ledge and sunning yourself because humans are so tedious. So we don't have him with the Doctor Strange New York accent. Dear God, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've forgotten about that. I've forgotten about that horror. <laughs> that was an accent, wasn't it? Not a good one, but it was an accent. It was a choice. If I remember, it kind of like faded away, though, right? It did a Kevin Costner thing over the film. I don't remember. So I can't Costner tell you. Which three or four times, whereas I think his just faded out. I could be wrong about that. Anyway. <laughs> Strange decisions made that we have no idea why. War Pigs and Poor Wigs Christmas special. War Pigs and Poor Wigs. Could be done. I like yeah. that. Yeah, Snuppy, that's what I'm thinking too. What does what the inner monologue sound like of a cat? See, that's going to be a tough one to do. When I finally bring it around to where I've got the internal monologue point of view of a cat, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to present this. I've got a lot of examples to draw from and imagining how a cat thinks, but even though it's intelligent, it is not a human being. It is, it is definitely going to be thinking differently than a human would. 
And in the first couple of books, the cat will be there, but it won't have a point of view at all. It'll just do things in the background. And then maybe in book three or four, I'll start having, once the readers have caught on that there's something more to the cat, then I'll start having little snippets of point of view from the cat as it does things. But the characters will still be yeah. completely unaware of what's going on. And I'm, I just wonder how far I can go without doing the reveal. Hmm. It'll become a game at some point of how I can keep this charade going. Without the humans catching on? Without revealing the cat revealing himself to the humans. And that's what it's going to come down to. The cat is not going to deign to reveal his presence to the humans. He cares about what happens to them, sort of, because they provide the food and they're entertaining. But he still wants to have his privacy. He doesn't trust them all the way. Yep, sounds like a cat, doesn't it? Yeah, Shadow agrees. Those are fun moments, though, like even getting into the head of M2. How does M2 and M2 Entity see the world? And how do they put shapes together? How, do, how, do, how, do, how does their brain interpret the environment around them? Especially if you've got, say, you're looking at the world from a dozen eyes. What does that look like? I have no idea. I, when you're talking about a brain that can process all that sensory information from that or thousands of appendages, it just it's it's not something that we can even go for. All you can do is generalizations. And, make and what kind of senses? I mean, having it, it may not be the basic five that we're accustomed to. There may be other senses and sensations. One of the things that's bugging me about Vegas this year is I told an author that was there that I was going to go ahead and use him as a template for the um, assistant to the bad duelist. And I've forgotten who it was. I can't remember who I was talking to when I did that. And I'm like, God, who was that? I should have wrote it down. Patrick Tebby. No, he's already had his moment in the sun. It's not him. <laughs> I would say, after all the slights he has suffered at your, all the indignities he has suffered at, you, at your hands, he is due another round. Mm, I don't know about that. Hmm. We'll see. It, it may come back to me. I, I may have to make a post on Facebook. I can't remember. Who the hell was it? <laughs> Which one of you chumps was I talking to about this? But I'm going to go ahead and name the cat Shadow. So there, it's my t it's my Aww. hat tip to you. Oh, I'll 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 tell him. He will be very pleased with that. Little it's black troublemaker. Yeah, uh, yeah. My little ghost tabby. He is most definitely troublesome. <laughs> Well, what else is going on? What, what do you all have to ask in the last, like, four minutes of the show? I want mm. us to babble about. An accidental cat mind uploaded into Skynet. See, that's how the world ends, right there. You can put a cat in charge of nuclear weapons, and it'll just be like, ah, fuck it. Ooh, red dot. Wham. <laughs> that's what it'll be. I'm annoyed today. Bam. <laughs> Cats don't understand consequences. They don't have a clue. They don't have a concept of what a, cons a consequence is. I just know there's either do this or do not do this. What if the world got better? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking that's fantasy. But mm-hmm. it'd be nice. It would be nice. I, I definitely considered the other day somebody had written uh, a diatribe themselves about the fact that you could get rid of CEOs and you get rid of politicians just by using uh, machine learning. Yeah, sadly, that is not the case. <laughs> and the idea that they would be able to actually uh, process inputs faster and more reliably than politicians can when all they have to do is rely upon staffs who are unknowledgeable and only get their information from lobbyists. Sadly, efficiency now. is not the goal of the people that you're talking about. <laughs> I understand that. That It's not about talking reality. It's about talking about concepts. It's about talking about theory. It is an interesting thought experiment to go down of how much better it would be if there was an entity or entities that could process information and call bullshit among the lobbyists without having to have an educated staff, which no politician apparently is ever going to have. The only way that I can see improving our political structure is if we go ahead and emulate uh, the Japanese parliament and have fistfights between the politicians. <laughs> I did that in Canada, too. They awesome. were, oh, they tried to. Why does everyone here mock JR? Who is he or she? Sorry, I've been going through your older episodes, too. Who JR's is JR? JR's an easy Handley? target. JR Handley's an easy target. That's why, we, that's why we give him shit, because we like him. <laughs> And because he constantly obsesses about Jared being the hero of the Empire of Bones uh, being his story, which apparently he's very wrong about, and I would agree with that from what I've read of the books. Um, yeah, easy target. What are you going to do with him? Bullshit and politician and their staff is redundant. You're probably right. This, uh, there is a there is a book or so, excuse me a story that Mazamov wrote, which is a ro- uh, iRobot. It's in that collection, which is about an AI politician, as leader of the world, um, who's an android. So it's really interesting concepts. But there are a handful are. of of lit RPGs that wind up having like that as a premise that an, that in in the world is the world is now being run by some ai construct for for the purpose of just management streamlining yeah management streamlining decisions distribution of of wealth and assets etc and they always want to overthrow it in the matrix <laughs> the the robots went ahead and reset the earth timeline to the late 1990s because it was the peak of human civilization Everyone laughed, and here we are 20-some-odd years later going, maybe there was a point there. Nah. Nah. Because we had not discovered streaming yet in earnest. JR is not dead. No, he's not dead. Although I've killed him several times in my books, he is not dead. No, we, 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 we've, uh, yeah, he's shown up in books, but we've shown up in his, so it's all good. Yeah, in case you didn't know this, we kill people constantly in our books that we know. <laughs> JR begged me to give him a bloody, messy death, so I used a plasma cannon and evaporated him completely. Not a single molecule of him left. Not blo- one blood drop. That's how I roll. Because Terry aims to please. Because I aim to just frustrate him. <laughs> no, you aim to kill and obliterate. What are you talking about? He died on a space... He had a space toilet fall on him in somebody else's book. I think that was pretty funny. Well, if you have he, a comment... He, or- he was at a, 
at a brothel and had a toilet fall on him and kill him before he could seal the deal. How rough is that? If you have a question or comment about JR's exquisite or not so exquisite corpse, you can send an email to show at DebRobotSociety.com. You can find me on Mastodon at Paul underscore E underscore Cooley at V-Y-R-S-E dot social. You can find us at YouTube at YouTube.com slash JRS podcast. You can find us on Facebook at what the hell are we? Can't you remember? No, I can't. I really need to write this down. The Dead Robot <laughs> Society Writing community. community. Thank you. You can find us there because uh, 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 it's this place I don't ever really go, but I'm there. So I'll listen to you if you're there. I already said YouTube. And if you want to support the show, you can find us at YouTube. Man, I've got a problem. You can find us at patreon.com slash GRS podcast and buymeacoffee.com slash GRS podcast, where for as little as $1 a month, you get access to exclusive live shows like the one we got going on in about 10 minutes. Before we go, since Rick Shaw said, despite my pleas, you haven't killed me yet. Rick, you're not the one I promised I was going to make an assistant to the bad duelist in my next series, were you? I'm trying to remember who it was. Was it you? You believe this? Paul is rapidly joining the gray hair because the gray matter is being sucked out group. Dude, my hair has been growing gray since I was 30s. Careful what you wish for, Rick. (laughs) (laughs) And at the $10 level, you get your name read. And our $10 patrons are, because I'm not going to let Terry interrupt me again. Tony L. Joy, Rick Shaw, Lisa Slack, Isabel Cushing, and Tim Niederreiter. Thank you to all of our patrons for making this show possible. He's yeah, not even going to answer. He's just going to sit there and just you know sit on his, his silence. See, this is what we're talking about. This has been a long time coming. All right. We are out of here. If you're a patron, we'll see you in about eight minutes. And the rest of you, we'll Very see nice. you next week. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll see you at 3 p.m. CST next week. Bye.